Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Facebook yesterday announced it banned Trump from posting on its platform and on Instagram, at least through the transfer of power January 20th. CEO Mark Zuckerberg said the risks of allowing Trump to post, quote, are simply too great after the president's video calling violent insurrectionists very special as they terrorized Capitol Hill. But many see the bans as too little too late after years of allowing Trump to spread lies, conspiracy theories, and disinformation online that fueled extremist groups. Joining me now is Caitlin Tiffany, a staff writer covering technology for The Atlantic, and her latest piece is Trump's Internet is celebrating. Caitlin Tiffany, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we know that the president is back tweeting after Twitter reinstated the president's account yesterday. We've also just learned that Reddit has banned the subreddit group R Donald Trump, which apparently is, you know, the basically the, the company's largest political community that's dedicated to supporting Donald Trump. So pressure is high on Twitter to do the same as Facebook and now Reddit. I mean, what are you hearing that Twitter is saying here? Um, well, re- earlier this morning, I believe they said essentially if he uses the platform to incite violence again, he'll be banned permanently, which is kind of a nothing statement um, since after he leaves office, he won't be protected by the world leader's exemption anyway. Presumably anybody would be banned from the platform for inciting violence um, at that point. So they, they they kind of aren't saying anything. I guess... Um, it's not super surprising to me after after Twitter faced a lot of blowback for blocking the URL of a New York Post story about Hunter Biden. Um, Jack Dorsey seemed extremely frustrated with his own employees. And so it now seems to be a decision that's solely up to him. And he, he's been reluctant and pretty adamant about not making that decision in the past. What do you think of Facebook's decision to ban him at least through January 20th, which means potentially longer? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the statement was interesting in that Mark Zuckerberg explicitly admitted that Facebook had been used to incite a violent insurrection. He actually said those words, which is something he's really um, avoided in the past. I think everybody's heard that quote um, that he gave right after the 2016 election saying that the idea that Facebook played a role was, quote, crazy. Um, So seeing him take responsibility is definitely a big shift from four years ago. But at the same time, his own employees have been asking him to ban Trump for a long time, um, most notably around his his post over the summer um, with the the looting starts, the shooting starts term uh, phrase in it, which many people correctly interpreted as inciting violence. So um, I think a lot of people would say it's, it's really coming very late 
and also that the phrasing indefinitely or for at least two weeks is is sort of confusing. Um, could have used a little bit of a, a copy edit there, maybe. <laughs> yes, there's also reporting that uh, that Facebook employees are noting that uh, Zuckerberg is taking this action after Democrats secure the presidency and Congress. And also there have been, you know, Democratic senators like Mark Warner, who've come out and said that it's too late and not nearly enough for the action that Facebook is taking. Michelle Obama uh, is quoted as saying, now is the time for Silicon Valley companies. She sent this out in a statement. Now is the time for Silicon Valley companies to stop enabling this monstrous behavior and go even further than they have already by permanently banning this man from their platforms. I want to invite listeners to join the conversation. Where do you think social media companies should go from here? Should there be a complete social ban on Trump? Can you even put the genie back in the bottle? I mean, give us your thoughts. 866-733-6786. Post on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. I mean, Caitlin, Tiffany, what, what would would it do to ban him? What kind of impact could that potentially have? Because of course, as you've written in your past reporting, just the extent of Trump's influence on the internet, right, is very big, but at the same time, there are probably limits to what it could achieve. So first, what it, what it could do with regard to the kinds of things that we saw on Wednesday and what it probably would not be able to accomplish. Sure. Well, um, I mean, Trump is an incredibly disruptive force in online discourse. He sets the tone for um, he sets the tone for his supporters, but then he also sets the conversation for the media. We are all forced to talk about the conspiracy theories that he puts forward to debunk them, to argue with our family members about them, um, to see them spiral out of control in on Parler or Reddit or. 4chan um, and become something horrifying like they did uh, a few days ago. So I think removing him from from Twitter, especially being that that's his favorite tool for getting his thoughts out there, um, would be immediately impactful. Of course, you know, um, a lot of the poison is kind of already out there. There are self-sustaining communities all over the internet that are devoted to um, Trumpism and to QAnon, which is a fairly large tent conspiracy theory that views Trump as a as a savior. So those problems would still be there, and they're incredibly complicated. But I think what banning Trump um, offers is that it's an incredibly simple solution that makes immediate progress on some of these problems, um, and maybe gives the platform some some breathing space to to work on the other ones, which are which are much more thorny um, and confusing. I mean, you bring up QAnon, which is an interesting case, right? Because uh, I remember we were doing segments about how you know, mainstream platforms shut them down essentially and, and ban them from from their platforms and we saw them play a very significant role in the insurrection on Wednesday. And so, you know, how effectively can we handle situations like that? Yeah, so QAnon is banned from from Twitter and Facebook, technically. Um, in spirit, I would say that the movement still has a significant presence on both because it was allowed to stay there for so long that it became thoroughly mainstream. Um, there are entire communities that have, you know, just built themselves around 
adding a new gloss to QAnon to make it palatable for people who wouldn't necessarily go dig through the drops and look for clues, but still want to believe in some, um, you know, big conspiratorial worldview. So I still saw plenty of, of QAnon supporters uh, talking about the insurrection on Instagram stories, debating it on Twitter. The several of the, the biggest QAnon influencers are still on Twitter. Um, so they, the, the platforms have certainly made a lot of progress. Facebook cleaned out many of the really large Facebook groups, which had some of them had millions of members um, and have definitely made it harder for them to, to organize on those platforms. But there are still influencers pushing those theories and directing people over to places where they can organize um, more freely, such as Parler or Gab or... Um, the Donald.win, which is um, where the members of the original Donald subreddit went after that subreddit was banned in, in June. So um, so I, I think the mainstream platforms are still very much part of, they're still included in, in the QAnon movement's uh, social media arsenal, for sure. Well, Sandy writes, it's welcome news he's been suspended with short-term limits. I've heard he might start his own media platform, possibly his own TV station, which will be like Twitter or Fox News on steroids for his ability to foment unbridled widespread unrest. I feel strongly this should be recognized as a real potential after he leaves office and needs to be legislated against somehow to protect Americans and immigrants going forward. We're talking with Caitlin Tiffany, a staff writer at The Atlantic, covers technology. Her latest piece is Trump's Internet is Celebrating. You can join the conversation with your thoughts about what social media companies should do from here and, and how you are feeling about the effectiveness of a complete social media ban on Trump, as prominent people have called for. 866-733-6786 is the number, the email address, forum at kqed.org. And of course, you can reach us at KQED Forum on Twitter or Facebook. You mentioned seeing all of the stories, all of the posts about what happened on Wednesday among QAnon and other people who were involved. How are they reacting? It sounds like, as you said, there's a lot of celebrating, as the title of your article suggests. Yeah, I mean, there is certainly a lot of celebrating. More broadly, I would say it's pretty much pure chaos, um, especially in light of the video that the president put up last night after he got his Twitter account back, in which most people watching that video would assume that he was saying that he plans to uh, leave office. However, on Instagram, um, many of the Q supporters that I follow were talking about the hidden codes and the message that prove he's not actually going to leave. And it's not over. The journey is just beginning. Um, the numbers and such and such a timestamp coincide to some Bible verse that kind of thing. Um, or on, on the Donald.win, they're talking about the video being fake um, because the resolution is low or some hand gesture looked unnatural. Um, so there are certainly people who are celebrating, who think that there was a huge victory at the Capitol. There are also people who are blaming the entire insurrection on Antifa or saying that it was staged with crisis actors. I think what's happening now is just that the online MAGA world is splintering into all kinds of different realities. And, and people are, are stutter-stepping about which one to choose as well. I've seen people who posted, um, you know, it was us, it was the Patriots in the Capitol. And then three hours later, oh, no, actually, um, this was fake. It was George Soros or whatever. So people are right now in this like moment of 
extreme internal conflict over, you know, which delusions they want to cling to and which facts they are willing to accept. Well, I mean, it's very interesting to hear about. So what you're saying is that some of the people participating are frustrated that credit has been given to Antifa, uh, while others are trying to suggest that there were other actors involved. I mean, that is definitely a right-wing talking point when uh, when there is scrutiny uh, placed on right-wing actors to blame Antifa. Yeah, yes. Um, actually, a dis disinformation expert I spoke to yesterday, um, Joan Donovan, who's at the Harvard Kennedy School, was saying that a lot of people in her field don't even bother tracking Antifa conspiracy theories anymore because it is such a common tactic um, whenever... Uh, right-wing actors are being criticized in the news um, to say it was Antifa. Um, but yeah, as, um, as you brought up, there are, I would say, a, a pretty substantial number of Trump supporters who were either at the Capitol or excited about what happened at the Capitol who are act actively angry that people are pushing the Antifa conspiracy theory because they want credit for what happened. And and that is that is anger at people who are confused and, and pushing the theory because they don't understand different information. And that is also anger at Republicans who should know exactly what they're doing. For example, Representative Matt Gates, who has been, who brought that conspiracy theory to the House floor with no evidence um, and was clearly just looking for a scapegoat for uh, a, a riot that was undeniably caused by well-known figures in the mega world. And again, Caitlin Tiffany, staff writer covering technology for The Atlantic. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. Donna, join us. Hi, Donna. Hello. Um, I was just wondering, has anybody ever considered having a law that says that the president of the United States cannot use Twitter as an official uh, form for expressing like official acts? I mean, he uses Twitter, Trump uses Twitter to fire people and to make announcements about, you know, foreign policy and like, where's the records for these things? I mean, are they going to ever be able to, you know, put these in some kind of order to know what happened when? I mean, it just seems like it's terrible to allow the president to take official government action via Twitter. Thank it you. It doesn't make Don. any sense to me. Well, thank you for for. Uh, putting that into our conversation and also just this question. I mean, there are laws, there are some regulations governing what happens uh, on the internet and internet speech. Can you talk about what Donna, uh, can you address what Donna is asking? Um, sure, I think kind of I can. Um, I, I, I'm not sure that there's any way to, to legislate what the president's allowed to say on Twitter. I do know that um, you know, be, because of his legal obligation to preserve presidential records, he's gotten in some trouble for deleting tweets, and um, and he's also gotten in, in in trouble and was successfully sued by the Knight Institute for blocking American citizens on Twitter, which um, is considered a violation of their First Amendment rights. So there are some some bounds, I think, on on how he used the platform. But um, I guess just like speaking as like a, a citizen and as an observer more than a tech reporter, I think this is just another example of how uh, Trump has pushed norms and demonstrated the, the fact that, that much of our democracy depends on norms more than it does on, on actual laws. Um, hopefully, hopefully our, our next president will, will, um, will not follow in his footsteps in his, in his use of Twitter. Um, I can't really imagine seeing another threat of nuclear war on Twitter. 
Well, Chris writes, Trump and his enablers use social media to attempt a coup. He should be banned forever. Deplatform him. Deplatform him. He's extremely dangerous. I mean, Twitter suspended Lynn Wood, the lawyer who used his account to promote QAnon um, on its platform. There have been, again, some re-rumblings around right-wing criticism or right-wing conservatives being censored. I mean, can you just talk a little bit about that being a top issue uh, among conservatives and whether or not that's true, because everything we're talking about actually suggests that a lot of conservative or right-wing conversation is all over. (laughs) Yeah, um, this is, it's kind of a a convoluted argument when you get into like, where this came from. Um, but but it is a big talking point for a lot of conservatives, including um, maybe most notably Senator Josh Hawley, who um, was one of the senators leading the push to uh, contest the certification of the electoral college votes. But um, they, they have this strong belief that anything that is said by a conservative that is removed or labeled by uh, a social platform is is being censored. Um, I, I guess my confusion around that is like, um, what of this speech do they want to claim as mainstream conservative speech? Um, Linwood was kicked off of Twitter for essentially calling for the execution of of Mike Pence and accusing him of being a pedophile. So hopefully that's not something that they would defend. Um, many of Twitter's most high profile bands have been of neo-Nazis or white supremacists. So hopefully that's not something that they would defend. Um, Donald Trump Jr. himself was removed from the platform for some period of time for for stating that hydroxychloroquine was a cure for COVID-19. That seems to be something they're kind of willing to defend. Uh, I guess this whole conversation that they're trying to force about the platform's obligation to be politically neutral to me is just nonsense. There's no way to assess or enforce political neutrality on a platform. Um, and these are companies, These it's not the government. Um, I think Josh Hawley is either very confused or likes to pretend being to be confused about um, what parties the First Amendment actually involves, which is citizens and the government. Yes, and I think your colleague has cited Hawley as a potential lead architect of Trumpism after Trump, that his name is floated in that regard. Well, Dean writes, Trump is not your average rude, ill-behaved person. He's very dangerous. And as this week has finally proven beyond doubt, he's not finished and has no intention of quitting his pursuit of power. Banning him from Facebook and Twitter would at least relegate him to the sites that are considered fringe and would help tamp down his efforts, which will continue to stoke the fires of anger, division and delusion. You know, Dean's point reminds me of how you started your piece, Caitlin. Um, Tiffany, which is that the internet is real life. And we just mm-hmm. have 20 seconds. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's it's definitely valid to continue being concerned about Trump being um, on Twitter. And hopefully Twitter makes the right decision. Otherwise, he can announce his candidacy for 2024 and, and remain protected by the world leader exemption that they've carved out specifically for him. Caitlin Tiffany of The Atlantic, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Ariana Prail and Blanca Torres for today's segments. And thanks to listeners. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.